Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Last week we asked the question, can I trust God? Can I trust God with my life? Can I trust Him, you know, with my with my family? Can I trust Him with my finances? Can I trust Him with those things? And, and hopefully you walked away with a greater understanding that you can trust God. Today, we're going to ask the question, can God trust me? Which, we're going to be stretched a little bit today. And it's probably going to be quiet in here all day. It was quiet in the first service. I was like, looking like, oh gosh, when's this going to be over? No, it wasn't that bad. Next week, we're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to call it the trust test. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a trust test for the harbor, but it's going to be a trust test uh, for you. And, and we're, we're going to just we're going to just rely on God's promises and God's word. And hopefully um, it's just going to be an amazing experience for everybody. So today, can God trust me? Can God trust us? And um, uh, we're going to we're going to read a, a story in Luke 16, and it's a difficult story to read. It's not a feel-good story, but I believe it's necessary. And we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going we're gonna to slowly go through it. We're going to slowly go through it quickly. How's that? All right. That, 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 that is an, was that what they would call an oxymoron? Or no, maybe just a moron. I don't know, but I'm just saying, forget the oxy part. So Luke chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Jesus taught his disciples using this story. There was once a very rich man who hired a manager to run his business and oversee all of his wealth. But, this, but soon a rumor spread that the manager was wasting his master's money. So the master called, in, called him in and said, Is it true that you are mismanaging my estate? You need to provide me with a complete audit of everything you oversee for me. I've decided to dismiss you. He's getting axed, you know. So we're going to talk about this, this steward. I, I just want to say before we get too far into it that I am all jacked up on cold medicine. So I can't be held responsible for anything that comes out of my mouth today. And, uh, and I'm just going to blame it on the, the Dayquil. Is that okay? Is that anything that you don't like? Just it's the Dayquil. So he's not like that normally. It's the Dayquil. So I want to just open in prayer and just ask God to be with us today as we go through this and that God would do something in all of us. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this wonderful group of people here, God, our friends, our church family. Lord, I just pray. We've all come here today to be challenged, to be stretched, to become more like you. And I just pray, God, that your peace and that your, your love would be here today, God, and that all of us would be completely challenged in some way. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So obviously today we're talking about, uh, we're talking to the Harbor family and and in this particular church, if you're with us today as a guest, obviously the principles apply to you, but this is kind of a something we're talking about to this house, to this family. Um, and so uh, we don't want you to feel obligated in any way. However, we want you to know that we want you to be a part of our family here. So uh, that invitation is always open. But this is for this house and to, to, uh, to, to do some family business. And um, so I just wanted to just let you know ahead of time. And it's probably the day quill talking right now too. So Luke 16, which is talking about this manager that was foolish, is connected um, to Luke 15, which tells the story about the prodigal son. And many of you know that story. Luke 15 
in, in the story of the prodigal son is dealing with the wrong attitudes about people. So we see in that story, you've got this son that says, Dad, I want to go party. I want my inheritance now. Give everything to me that you can, and I'm just going to go have a good time. And he goes and he starts partying. He blows it all. He ends up you know, in the lowest position that you could imagine. And he's actually eating pig slop. He was so poor and he was eating what the pigs were eating, and he realized, man, it wasn't so bad at home after all. And we know the story that as he, as he returns home, the father who had been waiting for him, and by the way, the father in that story represents God the Father, he sees him coming from a long way off. He steps down off the porch, runs out, and meets his son halfway, and was so thankful that his son was coming back. And he threw this amazing feast to celebrate the return of the son. Of course, the son that had been there working and faithful didn't like that. And he was all upset because it wasn't fair. And so that story is about wrong attitudes dealing with people. And there's some family dynamics there. It's a great story. In Luke 16, the Lord is dealing with wrong attitudes about wealth. And, and uh, uh, when the owner comes back, the foolish manager that had been over all of his possessions is now suddenly brought into accountability. And it's interesting to know that in this parable, Jesus isn't talking to the Pharisees. He's not talking to the scribes or the Sadducees. He's talking to his inner circle. He's talking to his disciples. So this was something that he was trying to get across to them as intimate followers of Jesus, that this applies to you, um, this issue of accountability. So there are two reasons why this manager was accountable to the owner. And it's the same two reasons that you and I are accountable to the owner. And number one, he is the owner and I am the manager. That's, that's a principle that you, you really need to uh, get right in your heart and mind because I'm accountable to God because what I have today, everything I have today are gifts from God. And, and, and I own none of it. I, I don't own any of it, but I'm accountable to the owner of it. So I'm accountable to God for myself, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. I'm accountable to him for my time. You know, I need to be intentional with the time that I take to do things, to worship God. I, I can't let time run me. You know, we, we live in a smartphone society, and there's some positives to that. We've never been more organized in our lives in some ways, and, and in some ways we've never been more stressed out in our lives. And, and the reality is, is we need to be in, intentional um, with our calendar. You know, instead of your calendar working against you, and some of us live by that calendar, and it's a good thing, but, but it can be too good of a thing. It can turn into a bad thing. Instead of your calendar working against you and stressing you out, I think that we should use our calendar to help us. And that means, being, that means being intentional. So, for instance, if you're so busy that your, your family is, is suffering, your marriage is suffering, then you need to put something in that calendar where you're spending time with your spouse intentionally. And every wife said, yeah, in the first service, man, they were, get, they were cheering, they were throwing things, chairs were being thrown across the room. It was crazy. The women were so into it. So the Bible says that every... Good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. So he gives us everything. And, and I love that story of the prodigal son, as I mentioned, because the father says something that represents the heart of God totally. He said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. 
And that's the heart of God. God wants to bless you. He wants you to enjoy the things He's entrusted you with. But He needs you to understand that every possession that you have is a gift from Him. That He is the owner. And that's the number one issue. Because until we settle that issue, that He's the number one, that He owns it all, we're always going to have a problem in this area of management and stewardship. If I believe that I'm the owner, that I'm going to be in constant conflict with God with what I do with the stuff. And, and so the moment I understand that God is the owner of my time, of my gifts and abilities, of my finances, everything, that God is the owner and I'm simply the manager, I steward it, then all of a sudden the conflict disappears because it's not on me anymore. So if I realize that everything I have right now, my health, my life, my possessions, my family, everything I have is not mine. I am simply entrusted with it for a season. Let's just take a quiz and see if we're on the same page with this, for instance. So let's just say that I earned $400 this week. I earned $400. And I was to ask the question, how much of that $400 belongs to God? And there would be a lot of people that would say $40 belongs to God, 10%. And you would be incorrect. All of it belongs to him, right? And so uh, that's what we're talking about, that, that it's all his, and we get to manage and, and, and superintend all that he's given us. We're like miniature Adams uh, from Adam and Eve, where God said, I'm going to give you everything in the garden, and I want you to superintend the garden. I want you to watch over it and take care of it. That's our lives. God has given us our families and our, our, our careers and, and our finances and everything to, to manage and to steward and, and to be faithful with. And, and that's why we're accountable to God. My prayer is that when, when I get to heaven, God can say to me, man, what you did with what I gave you is amazing. Instead of my fears going, man, you squandered that. What was wrong? You could have built 15 campuses on Long Island. You only built two. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I want I wanted, I wanted to be faithful with what God has given us today so that for tomorrow, we can build something great for the kingdom of God. Uh, another reason why I'm accountable to God is that the owner has expectations of the manager. There's an accounting that takes place with what God has entrusted us with. And, and so what are some of those areas of expectations? Well, number one, ourselves. If we don't take care of ourselves, we're no good to anybody, right? Moms, if you're not taking time to get refreshed in your heart, to get rest. You're no good to your family because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're running at half capacity, which welcome to my world. I run at half capacity all the time. Uh, but, but you're running, you know, you're running exhausted and tired. You need to take care of yourselves and, 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 and be intentional about unplugging and spending time. Even if it's an hour, just where you can just rest and get refreshed. That's where you need the help of your family, obviously. And, and so Romans 12, one in the message paraphrase says this, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Wow. So God expects us, the, as the owner, to consecrate and dedicate ourselves to Him first. That this belongs to Him. And... and I think when we start to understand that, like, man, even 
You know, the Bible says that we are not our own. We were bought with a price. You might say, well, my life belongs to me. It really, not if you're a Christian. It doesn't. It belongs to him. And we're entrusted with what we do with our life, right? It's amazing how quiet it gets, isn't it? Like you can hear crickets. If you're really listening, you hear crickets. Cricket, cricketing. Crickets are cricketing. Number, number two, uh, an area of, it's, it's Dayquil. Um, the area is possessions. Possessions. Um, in Luke 14, Jesus says, Likewise, unless you surrender all to me, giving up all you possess, you cannot be one of my disciples. And as I mentioned last week, listen, it's not wrong to have things. It becomes wrong when things have you. And so anything I put in front of God becomes a problem. It, it could be a relationship. It could be finances. It could be, you know, it just fill in the blank. And, and so... Um, Whenever something has you, that's an issue because that's the place that God wants in your life. He wants to have you. And, and he, he's, a, he's a God that wants to have a relationship with you desperately. He wants you to know him. He wants you to walk with him. And, uh, and so your possessions. And that, that's a tough spot because we've all seen the abuse that comes with, with manipulation and people, you know, just wanting to profit. And, you know, I, listen, God, God keeps records and he keeps the score straight and I trust him. And uh, my pastor always told me as I, was a, as I was a young man, he told our staff, he said, if you're going to follow Jesus, he said, you never touch the glory and you never touch the gold. And I love that. That was an easy principle to remember. It's all God's. And we just manage that. The other thing is time. It's time. So in Ephesians 5, it says, So watch your steps. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the Master wants. This week I... Um, there was an event that was taking place in the community, and um, I've been ministering to some of the people that have been in leadership um, in, in, in our county and, and you know, um, governmental areas. And, uh, and there was this thing uh, that, I, that I saw on Facebook. There was this little gathering, and I thought, man, I don't feel like going to this, but I just felt like God wanted me to do it. And so I told my wife, I said, listen, I'll be back in an hour, hour and a half. I just feel like I need to go do this. And, and sure enough, man, it was one of those divine appointments where when I went and a person started opening up to me and pouring out to me some things they were walking through, it was such a God moment. I felt God come into that place and fill that place with his presence. And I made some relationships that that um, I wouldn't have made if I, if I didn't say yes. And see, I was generous with my time. I said, God, you can have an hour and a half of my time. I'm going to dedicate that to you. I'm going to be obedient to what you're telling me to do, and I'm going to go in Jesus' name and faith. And I gave, I gave a small amount of my, of my time, and only heaven will, will tell me what that investment will reap. It was just awesome. So another thing is our gifts, Right? Be generous with the different gifts God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. Your gifts, whatever that might be, they are not intended for you. They're intended for you to bless others with. You might say, man, all I can do is draw. Well, man, draw, draw something and bless someone. If you go into my office 
on my wall, there's all these little crayon drawings with paper. These are some of the kids that come here that are four, five, six years old, and they, they draw me a picture, and I tell them, I get right down on my knees, and I'm like, that's going on my office wall. And my whole office wall is with, with drawings from kids. Now, their, their little gift blessed me. And, and so your gifting is there to bless someone else, and we're not to hold on to it. And the moment that this foolish manager realized he was going to lose his job, um, it says that in verse 3, the manager thought, now what am I going to do? I'm finished here. I can't hide what I've done. I'm too proud to beg to get my job back. And he is forced to make a change. And the reality is, is you and I sometimes only make a change when we're forced into it. And that's where this guy was. He was forced to make an assessment of himself. And he realized because of his actions, he had fallen short. And it says in verse 4, I have an idea that will secure my future. It will win me favor with secure friends who can take care of me and help me when I get fired. So the dishonest manager hatched his scheme. He went to everyone who owed his master money one by one, and he asked them, how much do you owe my master? One debtor said $20,000. So he said to him, let me see your bill. Pay me now and we'll settle for 20% less. The clever manager scratched out the original amount owed and reduced it by 20%. And to another who owed $200,000, he said, pay me now and we'll reduce your bill by 50%. And the clever manager scratched out the original amount owed and reduced it by half. I have a feeling that he was overcharging them anyway. That's why he was doing this. But the reality is, is that the owner commends him for, for acting on it, and not for what he did, but you, you ever just, you ever just uh, uh, have someone do something really stupid, and then you, you, you kind of say to them, well, I got to give it to you, that was creative. You ever done that? That's what the owner was like. You know what? You, you're really not a good guy, but I got to give it to you. You're working hard to try to make this right. There are four principles in this story that I feel like you and I can take away so that we don't become like this foolish manager with what God has embraced us with and entrusted us with. Four opportunities that stand out to me in the story. Number one, that we need to use our opportunities wisely. We need to use our opportunities wisely. Look at verse 8. Even though his master was defrauded, when he found out about the shrewd the, the, the shrewd way this manager had feathered his own nest, he congratulated the clever scoundrel for what he had done to lay up for his future needs. Jesus continued, remember this, the sons of darkness are more shrewd than the sons of light in their interaction with others. It is important that you use the wealth of this world to demonstrate your friendship with God by winning friends and blessing others. Then when this world falls apart, your generosity will provide you with an eternal reward. There's a poem that one line in the poem says this, though I cannot go back and make a brand new start, my friend, anyone can start from now and make a brand new end. It's never too late to change your ways, right? Never too late to start trusting in God uh, with these things. Jesus said in Matthew 6, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where rust and moth will uh, destroy um, where thieves come in and steal. So, man, you might have, you might have a 63 split window Corvette sitting in your garage. 
Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, oh, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Showstopper. Well, you know what? In time, that thing's going to rust apart. You might, you might have built a brand new house. It's already starting to decay. You might not see it, but things are starting to rot from the inside. And eventually, I don't want to depress you, you know, but, but you, there's going to come a point where you have to replace some of the wood. You have to replace because everything winds down. And, and so if, if your goal is to build up wealth on this side of heaven, knowing that you can't take any of it with you, it's kind of foolish, right? So you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead in, in, in some different ways. So let me just explain what I mean by that, how you can send it ahead. How, how can you send it ahead? Well, let me give you an example. Let's talk about our Patchogue campus for just a moment. About three years ago, we, we came before you with a concept, and we said, look, it, we have a vision to plant a church in Patchogue to reach that community. It's going to be a different kind of church. It's going gonna, it's gonna to meet in a nightclub. You know, we, we just want to win souls for Jesus, and we want to win a whole culture that might not value coming to a church on Sunday, but they might come to a nightclub, you know, and, and, and check that out. And so when we, when we brought that before you guys, you were so generous and, and you said, okay, we're going to step up financially. I'm going to invest in that. We raised money to get that thing off the ground. A lot of you stepped up and said, I'm going to go over there and commit to serve, to be a part of their team over there, to get that thing going. So you fast forward now, two and a half years later, there are literally hundreds of people that have given their lives to Jesus because that work is there. And your generosity bought the chair that those people are sitting in on Tuesday nights and on Sunday mornings. And so someone else's generosity bought the chair that you're sitting on today. So that's how you pass it forward. That's how you, you can send it down the road. And, and let me just say this, that when the Bible talks about treasures in heaven, when Jesus says you, you can store up for yourself treasures in heaven, I believe what that is, I believe treasures in heaven are redeemed people. I believe that some of you that gave to a concept, we didn't see faces, we didn't know names, but there are now names and faces associated because you gave in faith. So I believe someday when you get to heaven, there's going to be someone waiting for you from Patchogue that says it's because of you that I heard the gospel and my whole family is now in heaven. See, I just believe that's what Jesus was talking about. Remember that 38 special song in the 80s, Hold On Loosely? So some of you now are going to be thinking about that. But, but I, love the, I love the title of that, Hold On Loosely, and that's exactly what we're talking about. Hold on loosely. Man, the, harder you, the, the, the more you, you hold on to your things, your time, your wall, the more you hold on to that, the tighter you hold on, the, the more you'll lose. Keep your hand open and say, God, let me be a blessing to others. Let me be a blessing to your kingdom. I want to be a part of building something that's going to last forever and not rust out and, and, and where someone can steal it or that it can just fall apart here. I mean, that would be silly. I want to invest in eternal things. Number two, trust must be earned. Trust must be earned. It says in verse 10, the one who manages the little, he has been given 
with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with eternal treasures of the spiritual world? If you have not been proved faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be given wealth of your own? Wow. Trust is never granted without earning it. And the whole issue is, and I love this about God, it's not based on an amount. It's based on a percentage, so the ground is level. So the thing is, the person that might not have anything, just have the person that might have pennies, in their pocket, and the person that might have millions in their pocket, it's, it, it doesn't matter because sometimes the person that gives pennies gives more percentage-wise, right? So it has nothing to do with the amount. It has everything to do with the heart. And I love that because it's, it's level ground. We, we, all, we all have an opportunity to do great things for God. And I just think that is an amazing thing. Number three, trust can be measured it measures in a very simple way. If you're trustworthy with a few things, you will be entrusted with more things. I, just as a pastor, I've always understood the concept that if I take care of my flock, when I, it's not my flock, it's his, but you know what I mean, the, those I'm entrusted with. If I take care of the flock that God has entrusted me with, God will send me more people that I can watch over because I've been faithful with a few and, and I think God took us through that process when we were church planters and we literally started with, you know, seven people, you know, and, 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 and I loved on those people and I went to the hospital and prayed over those people and helped them in their life. We did life together with those people and God is, is now years later, I, I believe and I hope that God says, you know what, I can trust you with my sheep. I can trust you with my little lambs. Lamb's Chapel. Um, we we sacrificed the lamb though. That that lamb is gone now, and now it's the harbor. But anyway, um, it's Dayquil speaking. So don't don't send me any emails. But I will say this. I will say this. I believe that the reason why we're experiencing growth at the harbor is because we have been faithful in taking care of people. And God will God will say, I can trust you. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to trust you with more. And so trust can be measured um, not by what you're going to do, but by what you're doing with what you have. And in closing, as I, as I kind of wrap this up today, our worship team is going to come back out, and we're just going to sing another song or two and just worship God. But the, the, the last point is everything, and that's being wholly devoted to God in everything. And in verse 13 it says, it is impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. You'll be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised and the other will have your loyal devotion. It is no different with God and the wealth of this world. You must enthusiastic, enthusiastically love one and definitively reject the other. What is, what is God talking about? Listen, I can't have more than one God in my life. And if my God is money and wealth and my God is all of that, then, then, I, then, I'm not, then he's not number one in my life. If it's all about me and, and my time and my, you know, it's all about me, 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 then, then there's no place for him. And what Jesus is saying is you can't serve two masters. 
I realize that if I serve him, that I surrender it all to him. I surrender my life to his lordship. And I say, God, you can have control of my calendar. You can have control of my checkbook. You can have control of whatever gifting you've given me or talent. Breaks my heart when I see Christian people that grew up in the church that have abilities to sing and they use their talent for the world and they end up all the same way, broken and beaten up and and where God gave them that ability to bless people in the kingdom of God. And so my prayer today for all of us is like, when we ask the question, can God trust us? Can God trust me? My prayer is that we could all say, man, I hope so. Lord, there's some things I'm going to get straightened around. Lord, there's some things I'm going to do. Lord, I want you to be able to trust me with whatever you have in my life to watch over, to steward over. And, you know, it starts somewhere. Could we stand and um, we're just going to lift our hands to the Lord and praise Him. And, and, And maybe you're in a spot today where you're like, man, there's some areas in my life that I've not been trusting God in. And I know that I've, I've kind of, I've been hoarding to myself. And maybe God's speaking to you. I want you to take some time and I want you to spend some time with me and I want you to pray. I want you to isolate yourself from your schedule and just spend, and, and you haven't done it. You know, I want to just urge you, start being intentional. You, it's okay to, to schedule your time with God in your phone so that nothing else takes that time. If you feel like your marriage is in trouble because you're going in two different directions and you're just so busy, schedule time with your spouse. Even if it's an hour. It's an hour more than you have been spending. And you're going to see the benefits. Maybe God has been speaking to you about the issue of giving or tithing or, or, or just blessing someone that you know that's in need. And you're like, man, I don't know. I, you know, this is mine. I earned this. You know what? The reality is, is yeah, you might have worked for it and their wages, but, but your health enabled you to go to work. And who's God of your health? Him. He, it's all his anyway. And so, you know, maybe, maybe there's an area where you're like, man, I'm just struggling to trust God fully. My prayer today is that you get to a point where you're like, God, I want you to be able to trust me. And I'm going to make some changes in my life so that you can trust me because I know I can trust you. So, Father, we just thank you today, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for the challenge of your word. We thank you, God, that you um, were so clear about the accountability that we have to you. And we're so grateful, God, for all that you've given us with. Lord, I thank you, God, that all of us here, just we slept in a bed last night. We were able to take a shower this morning. We were able to go and, and have lunch today after the service. We're rich compared to most countries in the world. You've blessed us with so much. And we're grateful for that, God. And I just pray that you would help us align ourselves with your heart and your will, that we would be wise managers, not foolish managers, of all that you've entrusted us with. So God, for the next few minutes, we're just going to lift you up and we're going to give you all those areas that we're wrestling with, God, and we're going to surrender them all to you because you are Lord of our life, God. We thank you and we praise you in your awesome name. Amen. Let's just praise God for a few minutes. 
Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.